Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid back nature. He's a family man and being a country mega star while also having seven kids. You know, he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. What's up, Open Floor Globe? This is Ben Golver with the Washington Post. I am joined on the other line by Michael the Pod Pina from Sports Illustrated. Michael, I wanted to start with a quick thank you to all the Open Floor Globe members who supported my book project this week. I heard from a lot of them. I also wanted to thank you for that uh, interview that we did on the uh, earlier episode. I really appreciate it. It's been a whirlwind week, and it's been a lot of fun talking to different people about that book, and I just appreciate so much the support. Also, a quick shout-out to the guys over at No Dunk Sync. We had a really fun podcast that we taped on Thursday morning, and you guys should go check that out as well. But, Michael, enough of that business because we've got bigger fish to fry. I mean, salmon, I don't even know, swordfish. It's the all-NBA selection show. Now, we have some late-breaking discussion on Twitter this morning, and we're taping this on Thursday, about how they're changing some of the positional designations or at least opening them up, making them more flexible than they've been in the past. And just to recap, typically when you're voting, you have to select two guards, two forwards, and a center. And that's been the case you know, going back years and years and years. But the way you understand it now, Michael, it sounds like some players are being eligible in multiple categories, right? So in other words, you could select some guys as a center or as a forward or potentially a lot of overlap between the guards and the forwards. Is that right? Yeah, so my my colleague Howard Beck tweeted this out earlier today, um, basically outlining several players who, uh, as you said, Ben, qualify at multiple positions. And before I saw that tweet, you know, I put together my team based on positions that the players actually play because that's why why even have positions if we're not going to categorize players as such in an all-NBA format. And personally, I would rather just be positionless, but those aren't the, the guidelines here. So I found it very curious just where some of these players landed because they don't play those positions. So uh, do, you, uh, do you want me to run through a few of the key names here before we get going? Well, for sure. And look, this has been a hot debate for a while, right? Because there was a couple of years there where guys like DeAndre Jordan were getting on because they were the center, right? And they were getting like a lot of attention. I think he even made an all-NBA first team. And everyone's looking around and saying, how are you possibly going to have a system that rewards DeAndre Jordan as being like a top five player in the league when we all know he's not that? And so it fluctuates a lot in terms of the quality of each position. Now, this year, we happen to have two centers leading the MVP conversation with Nikola Jokic and Joel Embiid. And so I imagine, you know, that's kind of a tough cut in a in a normal year where you're saying, all right, well, a player like Embiid 
it's it's kind of not fair that he has to be a second team selection because he's arguably the the second best player in the in the league this season, and yet it sounds like they're tweaking his status along with some other guys, right? Right. So um, it seems that uh, apparently, uh, so Embiid and Jokic are both eligible at center and forward, which apparently was the case last mm. year as well, which is just very, very wild to me because. Those, I mean, Jokic in the past, you could at least say, you know, he shared the floor with Mason Plumley when Plumley was there. Joel Embiid just is like straight up a center. I don't understand a- any of this. Like when he pl- has played forward at all, ever, uh, or at least recently in the past few seasons. Like I don't, I don't recall him being on the court with. Um, with uh, another center, ever, yeah, the, really? the the fearsome twin towers of Dwight Howard and Joel Embiid, not exactly the go-to lineup for the Philadelphia 76ers. Exactly, exactly. I guess you could, you know, get funky if you wanted to say Horford was a center and Embiid was a power forward, but like that's a total joke. Let's let's well, let's yeah, cut that and out. Embiid's bigger. I mean, that's kind of the thing with Jokic too. It's like, all right, he shares the court with Plumlee. Well, one of those guys would drink a two-liter bottle of Coke every day when he was growing up, and that was Jokic. So by default, Jokic, you know, he's a bigger guy. He should be viewed as the center, right? At least that's how I've always done it traditionally. Can I tell you? I'm going to cut against the grain here, Michael. I don't hate this in terms of loosening up these positional designations because I think there's a real question why even have them at all. At this point, if we're getting more positionless, we're getting more interchangeable, and that's been a trend here for a while, shouldn't we be trying to reward the five best players regardless of position rather than trying to guess and cram them into different spots? And you know, some people might view Jimmy Butler as a guard. Some people might view him as a forward. Um, I know it makes it a little bit trickier when we're trying to pick our teams here, but is this actually a step in the right direction? Should we be trying to get more fluid and less rigid, Michael? Well, 100%. But if we're going to, like, don't make, don't take a step in the right direction. Let's just, just, like, dive in the pool. Like, make everything positionless. Like, as an example, um, someone like Bam Adebayo, who comes up here as being eligible for multiple positions, even though he's only played center this year. Like, do I think that Bam is one of the 15 best players in the league? Maybe. And so if this was truly positionless, Bam might have made my all-NBA team, but because it's not truly positionless for a guy who like brings the ball up the floor and is like one of the team's leaders in assists and guards every position... Like, I don't know. It's just, it's really, it's, it's grinding my gears right now that we haven't yeah, just gone truly pissed, positionless. Michael, you seem really, really <laughs> pissed. So who are some of the other guys who are in multiple categories and what's, what is really grinding your gears? Which of these players is upsetting you? Or is it the fact that it's just not uniform? I mean, why is it so agonizing? Is it just because you spent five hours making your teams yes. and now it got blown up? Is yeah. that what happened? <laughs> yes. Well, Michael, yeah, that's me, not a good you, enough reason. Come on. You you know me too well. No, I spent a lot of time last night trying to put my team together. So I was pretty bummed when I saw this because if I could put Embiid as a forward, then that would bump someone who was my first team forward to the second team. And there would be this whole domino effect that my brain can't really process right now. So some of the other players, that are eligible for guard and forward. Um, Jalen Brown, who makes sense. Jason Tatum, uh, Zach Levine, uh, Luka Doncic, LeBron James, Kawhi Leonard as a guard, which is just absolutely ludicrous. Uh, Paul George, Jimmy Butler, Chris Middleton, Ben Simmons, Devin Booker. Um, Curiously, uh, Giannis is only eligible at forward, which I just, you know, I just don't understand. And he also uh, plays so, five a lot now for them, especially when they're yep. taking Lopez off the court. And he's also kind of a point guard half the time. Yep, exactly. Uh, points very well taken here. I think that your your argument is looking better and better that this is maybe the half step towards our future where they start to make so many players have multiple positions that the guys who they don't give multiple positions to start to be kind of weirded out. And then there's an uproar over why doesn't this guy have multiple designations? And then eventually they just have to be like, this is too complicated. We have no more designations. Like, I think that we're probably now getting there more quickly. That's what it feels like to me. Yeah. And there's one other player who is only a forward, um, Zion. Zion like, how many times have we talked about the fact that he's basically their point guard? Like, I just I, just make it positionless. Just do it. It's so it's so silly to play these games. Like, 
Just make it positionless. It's not a big deal. Well, you do sound mad. I always love that. Um, let me start with your first team, right? And okay. let, let me ask you, first of all, give me the five names you picked for the first team. Let's start there. Um, start there, and then let me ask you a follow-up. Okay. Uh, I have Steph, Luka, Kawhi, Giannis, and Jokic. Don't you think you need to switch it up and have Embiid in your first team? You do. I answered your own question. Sorry. I heard the sigh and I just pounced. Um, You've got to move. Like, look, I know this system is lame. I know this thing works a lot more cleanly if you have Jokic first team and Bede second team and Gobert third team. And it's just kind of like nice and tidy with the centers and you can kind of worry about all the other positions. But Mm -hmm. I think if we're genuinely reflecting who had the best seasons this year and you're allowed to put Embiid as a forward – even though it's goofy and even though it's dumb, it's the right ethical thing to do, Michael. He's more deserving than <laughs> Kawhi Leonard. He just is. Ah, uh, man. Um, see, this is where I get a little. I this is perturbed. why you're mad. It's the ethical dilemmas that get under your skin, man. I, you can't look at yourself in the mirror right now. You're so frustrated. It's it it is it is upsetting. Um, like. I don't want to have to build a case against Embiid to be first team. That's not fun. Um, but like, it's just like I'm now I'm pitting Embiid against like Kawhi. It's just so like that's not what I was prepared to do. So it's like, <laughs> no, it's a I, real it just, curveball. It's a real curveball. But it's got to be Embiid, man. Like I, I feel your pain. But when I was actually, when you presented this information to me approximately 13 minutes ago, um, it was a no-brainer, right? Like, if I'm looking just mm-hmm. up and down, Embiid played enough games, um, he had a bigger impact, better stats to me than a Kawhi Leonard. His team's number one in the conference. They've been rock solid. Um, everything that I look at in terms of advanced stats, he's right there among the league leaders. Yes, he missed some time, but Kawhi also missed some time. You know, LeBron, you could be another ca- uh, candidate for that first team. He also missed some time. I've got Giannis as a clear first team selection. I don't think it's too difficult to take Giannis over Kawhi this year in terms of uh, their team's performance, but also Giannis's statistical performance. So to me, I think you've just got to, you know, you got to swallow it, Michael, and you got to bump Kawhi to that second team. You got to put Embiid on there. Am I convincing you in any way? I'm not normally a traditionalist, but I'm going to be very stubborn throughout this entire podcast I think so I apologize ahead of time but I'm not I'm not I'm not budging so my team well it, it seems to me like you don't want to apologize you actually want to blame the league office for their ballots <laughs> this is this is like one of those hanging chad situations where you're just like sorry guys deal with it this was your mess I'm giving you what I came up with this is how it should be that's what it kind of sounds like Michael no, I think you're absolutely right, and I'm not even <laughs> going to deny it. That's just what it is, so I'm sorry. Um, well, but this, this should make it – yeah, I feel like this will make our conversation even more interesting, to be honest. Well, my, my next follow-up was actually going to be who's the toughest cut, and so I guess is Embiid the obvious answer, but let's say he was ineligible. Who was going to be your toughest cut? I think I went like the Luca dame conversation is one that we've been having all year. And I went back and forth on that debate a little bit. Um, that was tough. I, I ultimately went with Luca partially be, just because of the swoon that uh, the Blazers were in over the past been over the past couple weeks. I would say, despite a couple wins most recently, but Dame um, he didn't fall off or anything, but he just wasn't as superhuman as Portland needed him to be. And a little bit of that is recency bias. But Luca's been rock solid all season long, and. Since he is eligible as a guard, uh, I, I I think he's first team. Well, this is a case where you had Steph and Luca like maybe a month ago, and we talked about it. And I had different answers, and I'm I'm coming around humbly, hat in hand, and saying history proved you right. I think there was a lot of movement in this particular you know backcourt race here over the last few weeks. Steph having just an absolutely insane April to go with a pretty crazy season all around. To me, he did vault himself into that spot. Harden takes a tumble because he's been out for an extended stretch. And a lot of these other guards that we're talking about, the really high level candidates just didn't miss nearly as much time as Harden did. Even though I think when he was healthy, he arguably had the biggest impact on winning of any guard out there. And, um, you know, Luca, like you said, stable, steady. He's got them pretty much in the same spot in the standings as the Blazers. And Lillard, uh, you know, he 
was so responsible for Portland's wins early. It's been a little bit choppier uh, recently, and I just barely – I mean, to me, the toughest call was Luka versus Dame. I ultimately mm-hmm. went Luka just by a hair, and I really – you know, I'm pretty conflicted about it. But, you know, it's an, a pretty good consolation prize to be like the headliner of the All-NBA second team, so I'm going to give that to Damian Lillard. So my top five was Curry, Luka, Giannis, Embiid, and Jokic. Uh, we don't really disagree too much other than over the balloting materials, it sounds like. No, this is this. Yeah. <laughs> Minus the fact that you have a beat on your team. Yeah, this is. Um, but don't you do you feel a little like strange having to like honest centers here when the designation is two guards, two forwards and one center? Here's how I look at it. I play by the rules, Michael. Um, this is not a case where I showed up at the SAT and they, the answers were kind of like partially filled in and I'm, you know, I'm cheating the game here. Um, it was their decision to list them in those categories. I'm not going to overrule their decision and tell them that I know more about basketball than they do. It's really goofy. They need to figure this thing out because it does matter more than they think. But ultimately, like I think these... De- uh, recognitions all nba recognitions are very important for history when i was an official voter before i moved to the post and you know we don't vote at the post for um you know conflict of interest reasons um i would always take it very seriously because you know sometimes contracts and other things are involved with this and so mm-hmm. to me Embiid is a top five player this year and he deserves to be on if there's a loophole that gets him in i'm not going to be the guy who shuts the loophole so i'm giving it to him um let's talk about second team we already mentioned lillard Give me the rest of your second team. I'm assuming he's on there, right? He he is. Uh, okay, you're gonna you're gonna oh, love no. my second team. You're Did you put Westbrook on? You're gonna. <laughs> if you put Westbrook on your second team, okay, Michael. relax, relax. I'm not. I didn't go. You know, whole hog there. It's okay. Um, I have Dame as a guard. I have uh, Bradley Beal. Ugh. I I I have I have Zion. Okay. I have Tatum. Okay. And I have Joel Embiid. Two for five ain't bad. I mean, you're not passing, <laughs> but you, you know, like it is an F. Um, you got Lillard and Embiid. I mean, you already screwed up Embiid earlier, but um, mm-hmm. look, he can be no worse than second team. Let's put it that way. You're going to have to sell me hard on Bradley Beal, man. You really are, because I was going through some of the advanced stats. I mean, he's not really top, top tier on things like win shares. Obviously, he's got a big scoring number. We know that. Um, He's not winning nearly as much as my guy, Chris Paul, down in Phoenix, who definitely deserves this recognition on this second team. This kind of feels like a travesty of justice by you, Michael. So I, I, I went into the Chris Paul conversation with an open mind because I believe when we talked to all NBA a, a month ago, I didn't even consider Chris Paul um, on any of the teams. And you had him, I think second team, I want to say, and I was dismissive and I apologize. I went in and I looked at his numbers. And one of the things I'm really valuing this season is uh, the best ability is availability. And Chris oh. Paul has just played, a ton and I respect this is today is his 36th birthday I want to say and I just I I respect players this season given everything that's going on um, all the different sources of anxiety all the different sources of stress the 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 level of grind and just how physically taxing this year is for so many different reasons if you just played in every game and you're in your mid-30s I feel like you just that's that's very 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 impressive you deserve a round of applause um so I I think I came around on Chris Paul a little bit but I I can't compare like the fact that his team is really good and the fact that um the Wizards are not very good because it's like when Chris Paul isn't playing the Suns are still beating the opposing team very badly. Like they have one of the best benches in basketball. They're so deep. But Michael, it's like the Wizards are just garbage, man. Like <laughs> dumpster fire. When Chris Paul's not playing, he's coaching. You know, the bench is stepping <laughs> up because Chris Paul's got his fingerprints all over their brains, man. He's teaching them how to do it in the middle of the season. Look, he's eighth by win shares. He's 16th overall by real plus minus. What more do you need? I mean, he's blowing away some of your favorite guys in this category. I understand 
you love the scoring numbers. I don't think you're a fantasy guy, Michael, or you don't talk about it that much. But no, aren't you falling in love with the fantasy basketball, you know, Bradley Beal scoring number and just ignoring everything else that happens on the court? That's what it feels like to me, man. No, I, 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 I'm impressed. I'm not going to lie. I'm super impressed by the fact that Beal is averaging 31 points a game this season and has been either the leader or in second place all year long. And it's been a very trying season, as I said, especially for him. The circumstances that the Wizards have gone through and what they've had to persevere um, um, through and the hurdles that they've had to overcome are just, they're huge. And I also am trying to add some context in here and playing with Russell Westbrook for this. I mean, he's been on a tear recently, but we're talking about the whole season. And I remember months ago when Russell Westbrook was just punting the ball into the empty stadium seats over and over and over again. And so for Bradley Beal to have been as steady as he's been all season long, it's just very impressive to me. And I have one stat real quick for you. Wait, I just want to um, make this clear before you give me that stat. So you're going to okay. give Bradley Beal a Purple Heart of Valor because he has to play next to Russell Westbrook? <laughs> this is what we're doing now? All, all I'm saying is that if Chris Paul and Bradley Beal switch spots, it's like the Wizards are not miraculously the, are the fifth seed. Oh, yeah. No, they're better. It's the same thing that we saw when Chris Paul and Russell Westbrook actually switched spots and the Rockets decided to self-combust and the Oklahoma <laughs> City Thunder shocked the world. I mean, look, you want to switch Chris Paul with just about any guard in the league, that team's getting better based on this season. Um, the availability stuff is rock solid, but it's it's the mastery of late game situations, setting up your teammates for success, imbuing them with confidence. Davis Bertans wouldn't have missed a shot for three straight months if he was in Chris Paul's orbit. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. I'm going to give you my stat, and then I have another stat that just popped into my head about Chris Paul. So for Bradley Beal, uh, the players in NBA history who have averaged as many points as he is, so 31, with a, a true shooting percentage that's above 59, which is what he has right now, are Michael Jordan, who did it four times, James Harden, Kevin Durant, and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. That's the entire list in NBA history. That's ridiculous. So I, it's, it goes beyond, oh, this guy's just leading the league this season in scoring. It's like this guy is having a historic offensive season, and I feel like there are not six guards who have been more impressive from opening night until today than he has. I'm just going to um, be a flat-out hater on this one, okay? These I know guys, you are. That's they okay. Play, they play goofy fast, man. They're not even really playing basketball. They're just running up and down the court constantly. They've got. I mean, Westbrook's got all these triple doubles, and it's this huge cause for excitement. Look, Washington's playing a lot better. They deserve credit for their turnaround of the season and for staying together through that absolutely brutal stretch where everybody was out and they had like a team wide outbreak. I mean, that was no joke for them to pull that thing mm -hmm. back together and give Scott Brooks some credit there too. He's been kind of an easy punching bag over the last few years. You know, big time thumbs up. These guys play super fast. They give up tons of points. Every game's a shootout. I mean, their 30 is not a real 30. You know what I mean? Their 30 is like a 26. I, I'm, you know, well, okay. So <laughs> I, the, the other stat I was going to say, first of all, I don't, I don't, I can't, I understand what you're saying and I, I hear you. Um, and... Look, it's a good point. Like, I'm not going to just, like, front and say that pace does not matter because it does. But at the end of the day, like, you got to stop Brad Beal, and no team has been able to do that all year long. So I got I have to give him credit. And if it was easy to score 30, every team would have a player who did it. Well, I would, um, I would just counter to that. Um, you know, it's not like they're unbeatable. They're 30 and 36, right? I mean, people have found ways to at least stop him enough or exploit their lack of defense enough. I mean... They just fall below that cut line to me. I had a hard time with Zion, too, for the same reason. Like, you just got to be better. Like, at least with Golden State, they're at 500. Steph Curry's got an atrocious supporting cast. So I can at least swallow and say, like, okay, you know, you deserve the All-NBA recognition because without you, your team might have gone winless this year, right? Or Wiggins would have had to score 75 to win a game, right? Um, I just can't get there with Beal, Westbrook, or Zion. You know, honestly, Zion was one of the toughest snubs because he's been incredible individually offensively, but... They're 30 and 36 too. I just can't do it, man. I hear you. And this is where you and I just, you know, we, we, we part ways here when it comes to <laughs> <Absolutely>. <laughs> we politely part ways. Absolutely. Yeah. 
um, when it comes to just win the value of winning in an individual award um, ceremony. But I just wanted to real quick point out with Chris Paul, um, and I don't want to spoil whether or not he's on one of my teams later on in the conversation, but Phoenix's offense in non-garbage time minutes is literally worse with Chris Paul oh, on the floor. Oh, come on, Michael. It just, watch it, these, it, ga- watch it, these it, games, man. I, watch I, who I, scores these points. It's Chris Paul orchestrating everything. I know. I do watch the games. I love Chris Paul. It feels I feel slimy having to uh, say things like that no, out no, loud. No. I'm That's take where a shower this, after this podcast. No, the but, stats yeah. are steering you right off a cliff. Sometimes like Google Maps will get confused. They'll have you drive straight into the lake. <laughs> That's what that stat's doing for you, Michael. Um, Okay, you had Zion, you had Tatum too, right? Yes, I did. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel... It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Good sleep should come naturally. And with the new Natural Hybrid mattress, it can. A collaboration between award-winning mattress brand Lisa and home design favorite West Elm, the Natural Hybrid is the culmination of these two companies' shared values. Premium materials, meticulous craftsmanship, and sustainable practices. Made with natural latex, responsibly sourced natural wool, and environmentally safe foams, the Natural Hybrid elevates your sleep sanctuary. Indulges your senses and supports a greener tomorrow. Plus, when you purchase the natural hybrid, you're also helping fuel Lisa's work with shelters and those in need. Since 2015, Lisa has donated more than 40,000 mattresses to ensure children and families have a safe place to sleep. Don't put off a good night's sleep any longer. Get a Lisa mattress today for a sound sleep tonight. Visit lisa.com slash iHeart. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com slash iHeart. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Rain or shine, every day is a great day for fishing, right? You got rain gear, but you can't overlook sunny day gear. A Columbia PFG Solar Stream Elite hoodie has you covered on the sunniest days. Like literally. I mean, who wouldn't trade a sunburn for a trophy fish? But why do it if you don't have to? Especially when this Solar Stream Elite hoodie is built with broad spectrum UV protection. We're talking UPF 50. And it has airflow so you don't overheat. And what's the alternative? Putting down the rod every half hour so you can slather on some sunscreen. Seems like an easy choice to me. Columbia PFG has you covered with their Castback TC shoe. Its OmniMax cushioning and traction system helps if you're on your feet a lot, say, fighting a fish. Not to mention keeping you sure-footed on a wet, rocking boat. So if you're going to be spending long days out on the water, and I sincerely hope that you will be, head over to Columbia.com PFG and shop all their performance fishing gear. Okay, make the case for Tatum over LeBron... Or Paul George, because that feels like a reach, bro, I got to say. So it was tough. Like, I know you're going to ask me, um, you know, which player was my last cut. And I'm just going to preemptively let you know that it was Tatum in this category. And honestly, the hair between second team forward and my third team forwards was so slim that, like, Tatum could have just missed all three teams and there was that possibility when I was initially going through the drafts but like I don't know this also comes back to um potentially recency bias the guy has just been so good over the past month like there isn't a better scorer there isn't a better more capable offensive player in the entire league in my opinion over the past two three weeks like the way he gets buckets the way 
He, you know, he's playing in lineups. I know Boston's been really up and down this season, but he's playing in lineups where he's like by far the most experienced player on the court. It's like him, Peyton Pritchard, Aaron Neesmith, um, two other rookie. Like it's just it's so ridiculous the lineups that he's in, and he looks like the veteran now all of a sudden, even though he's just twenty three years old, just turned twenty three. So you know, you look at the numbers, you look at the efficiency which has been steadily rising. You look at the fact that he is a very, very good defensive player, still underrated on that end in in my eyes. And, you know, me personally coming to this conversation, I obviously am trying to be as unbiased as possible, but I do watch, I watch every team, but I do watch the Celtics more than others. And there have been times this season where I've been very frustrated with Tatum. And there have been times this season where I'm just like, he is absolutely unstoppable and the Celtics are going to win the title because he's on the team. So I guess that's where I I fell with Tatum. I know that's not like a great argument. And so if you want to pick it apart, go ahead, no, but that's just I, I, kind of what I came to. I'm actually with you on a lot of that. So who was the guy that was like nagging or like who was, uh, you know, chopping at his ankles? You know, who was the last guy you, you picked basically Tatum over? Um, so there were, well, do you want me to give him to you now? Cause it just kind of spoils my third team. No, but. no. I mean, I, everybody understands if you get snubbed from the second team, you're going to the third team, Michael. So we're not, we're not okay. going to Harry Houdini this thing. I mean, nobody's, <laughs> okay. nobody's hopping out behind the curtain. Um, but like who, I guess who was the guy who was the closest? Cause it was a really tight conversation for me. I was looking yeah. at LeBron, Kawhi, because I had to bump and beat into the first team. Uh, Paul George, right. Tatum, um, Zion was in consideration. So like, who was the last guy there? You know, I think Jimmy Butler was the last Ooh. guy for me. So like, under underrated candidate this year because he started slow, right? But he's actually played a lot of games. He's had monster impact as always, and the advanced stats love him. Jimmy's incredible. Uh, you know, the fact that there's so many players who were really deep in the bubble and, you know, entered this season with a clear disadvantage because they had shorter off seasons to prepare than everybody else. And a lot of those players struggled. Jimmy, you know, as you said, he started slow. But this has been in a lot of, based on a lot of statistical um, grades, the best year of his entire career. And I'm not even one to argue. I mean, he leads the league in steals. He's bringing it every night defensively. He's incredibly efficient. He's still not shooting threes. That's fine. Um, the assists are up. Uh, the scoring is up. The aggression's up. Just, you know, I, I cannot blame... The on-off numbers are very impressive. I cannot blame him for Miami's general malaise because I think a lot of factors go into that. And, you know, I just credit him for, like, just bringing it every time he's on the floor on both ends. And it was tough, honestly, to kind of pick him, um, to pick Tatum over him. And, you know, if you asked me in five days, I might swing in the opposite direction. I just, I, I'm, I'm really enamored with the season that Jimmy's had. No, it's an awesome battle. It was an awesome battle in last year's Eastern Conference Finals too. You know, I mean, it was it was razor thin going into that series. And, you know, ultimately Jimmy's like physicality and experience edge won out over maybe Tatum's raw talent and shooting. Um, but it was, you know, it was a it was a dogfight for sure. So I went a little bit of a different direction on second team. I had Dame on my second team like you did. I had Chris <laughs> Paul because I'm right. I had Kawhi Leonard because I had to kick him from my first team to make room for Embiid. My other second team pick was LeBron James. This was the one I had the hardest time with. I didn't know where to put him. Now, before mm. the injury arguably the MVP, or at least in that conversation. If you're putting him into a vacuum, I'm definitely taking him over any of the forwards, right? I'm taking him over uh, Giannis. Um, I'm taking him like for like a series playoff format. I'm taking him over Embiid, taking him over Kawhi, Paul George, definitely taking him over your guy, Jason Tatum. And I'm taking him over Jimmy Butler. Now, if he can get some more games under his belt uh, down the stretch here with this ankle, I think it's going to help his case and maybe he can get a little bit of momentum and just improve his stats slightly. I just think from an impact standpoint, like other than Steph and Jokic uh, and Embiid, you know, LeBron has been right in that top tier category uh, when he's been healthy. So how much do you penalize him for the injury is the entire ball game? Um, I think it's difficult to tell the story of this season without him. 
And I know LeBron is the type of player who sometimes we're like making exceptions for, we're sort of like tweaking our understanding of how things work because he's such a, a one-of-one type player. To me, like it was either him or Paul George for that other second team slot after Kawhi as a forward. And like as great as Paul George has been this season, I just, you know, I can't in good conscience put him over LeBron. I mean, there's no question who you'd rather have in, in key moments. And there's no question, by the way, when both guys were healthy, who was better. So um, often I look to games played in availability and minutes to drive this thing. I often favor winning um, for sure. Both those categories are in Paul George's favor. I just think LeBron's raw talent was worth, uh, you know, keeping him in that spot. But to me, that was the toughest call because he missed a substantial portion of the season, you know, more than five weeks, and, and he's still missing games right now after coming back and having the ankle kind of flare up on him again. Um, did you snub him entirely? So I want to, <laughs> I want to, you know, throw in the caveat that LeBron might be the best player alive wow. still. And Michael, you're going to put Zion and Bradley <laughs> Beal on me, your let, all NBA team and you snubbed LeBron James, Michael? Are you kidding me? I, I, I want to say that if, uh, if we were doing this exercise on the last day of the regular season and I had a better, more clear picture of how many games and how many minutes LeBron actually played because, like, you know, where we're sitting right now, they only have a handful more games left, but I don't see LeBron playing in a majority of those remaining games. And, like, it's just he's missed so much time. And, like, I was honestly comparing a lot of his numbers in, you know, total numbers, which is something I, I don't ever really look at total numbers when I'm just kind of perusing throughout the regular season looking for trends and stuff like that. But when I'm looking at all NBA, I think that total numbers matter because we're trying to assess an entire body of work. And LeBron just doesn't stack up with a lot of the other guys who I feel like are very deserving. And I know he made third-team third all-NBA in 2019. That was the season where he missed a ton of time with the hamstring injury, um, suffered on Christmas. Um, but, you know, I just feel like the, the competition this year is stiffer. And I also feel like he's missed too, just too much time, even relative to that example. So it was like, if again, if we were doing this on the last day of the regular season and he plays in four more games or five more games or whatever it is, and he averages 25, 8 and 8 and the Lakers win a bunch and they finish with the four seed or whatever, like then he would make an all-NBA team for sure, and that's still a possibility. But I'm just looking like historically, and I understand that this season is very wonky, but it's just like no one makes an all-NBA team playing as often as and missing as much time as LeBron has. And it's like if he if he if we weren't saying, hey, like we're talking about LeBron James, if we were using if we had the same numbers and the same body of work, and we were talking about, like, I don't know, Jimmy. If we were talking about – like, Jimmy would have no chance. He wouldn't even be in this conversation. So I tried to factor that in as well. I know it's going to make a lot of people upset. I love LeBron, and I hope he comes back really healthy because the NBA is not as good without him, and I miss him. And so I'm sorry, but I have to I have to re- reward the players who I feel earned it more than he did. So the Jimmy and LeBron thing is interesting. You know, Jimmy's only played five more games than LeBron this season, right? And so for me, I, I couldn't treat that as like, look, I mean, they both missed substantial amounts of time. If I'm going to take Jimmy, and spoiler alert, I'm going to take Jimmy, um, then I got to handle uh, LeBron in there somewhere too. And a similar deal with Embiid. I mean, LeBron's only played four games less than Embiid, and I had Embiid on my first team. So I didn't think it was entirely inconsistent. Look, Harden has played even less time than LeBron at this particular moment. And spoiler alert, I'm going to take Harden too. So I think if there's a takeaway from the way that I did this, I, I was more lenient than usual this year on the games played factor in large part because so many guys missed time for so many different things. And look, I did draw a line. So for example, you know, Kevin Durant, phenomenal player. He didn't even play 30 games this year. I can't get, that's kind of where my line comes in. Like if you're playing you know, 45 and maybe close to 50 by the end of the year in a 72-game season, I can get there. If KD's playing 34 and he's missed more than half the year, 
Uh, that's where it gets to be a little bit trickier. So everyone's going to draw that line in a different spot. I totally respect your thinking. I just, um, on those particular players, Jimmy, Joel, and LeBron, I thought it was close enough where I didn't want to just single out LeBron and, um, you know, write off everything that he had done at the start of the season. And I also think like early in the year, he played better than Jimmy's played at any point this season, right? Like I think that he mm-hmm. was rock solid MVP candidate for the first couple months and I think he he had a really good chance to win it if he didn't get injured. I mean, Jokic probably still would have gotten it uh, because he's just been absolutely ludicrous all year long, as we mentioned on the last episode. But Le- LeBron would have been strong, strong competition there. Okay, so um, who did you have as your second team center? Would you remind me, please? Second team was Embiid. Oh, that's right. So uh, I moved Embiid up, so that opened up the spot at center for second team for me, and I put Rudy Gobert there. I think it's actually cleaner if you do have Jokic 1 and B2, Gobert 3, because I think there's a little bit of a drop-off after those three guys in terms of that center spot. But, mm-hmm. you know, Gobert was next up. Um, I don't think they're categorizing him as a guard or a forward probably <laughs> this year. So uh, I'm going to I'm gonna label him the center and have him on my second team. So I guess that leaves us with one other discrepancy. You had Zion. I did not um, make the case for your new favorite player i think really honestly you're you're pretty much team zion so let, let's hear it yeah so heading into this exercise i i was very stubborn and I, all like all i knew was that i had to find a way to get zion all nba because i couldn't like i couldn't imagine him not making any of the three teams based on just the breathtaking production night to night. Like when I think about this season, I will think of like in 10 years, 15 years, whatever, I will remember forever Zion making the first leap of his career. Like it was just, it's been incredible to watch. And so when I am trying to compare him with some other guys, like I know that like we've already talked about wins and losses and all that. And I look at the Pelicans roster and I'm like, I do not fault Zion. (laughs) one bit for uh their futility like i know defensively he's got a lot of a lot of holes a lot of question marks some effort concerns but like it's just the the roster is not complimentary whatsoever and he's still putting up historic numbers and so when i compare him with i'll just throw lebron out there real quick like zion has uh made 234 more baskets than lebron this season He's shooting 61% from the floor to LeBron's 51%. Um, just like the, the the minutes are not even close. It's like 400, 500 minute disparity. Um, I just think all of that stuff matters. And I'm not saying that Zion is straight up just a better basketball player than LeBron. That's not what this is. I just think that his season on the whole has been more impressive to me than LeBron's. And if LeBron was healthy, LeBron would have been first team All-NBA, but he wasn't. And so I can't. I can't put him there. I got to put I got to put Zion. I got to reward him for what, everything that he's done this year. No, I, I hear you. Look, I mean, I think that Zion's such a tricky player. I mean, it's a little bit like Trey Young from some years past where he's so good offensively and the numbers are just so absolutely ridiculous. And Zion's had great availability this year, which was a huge question coming into the season. You mm-hmm. can easily make the case like, what if the Pelicans didn't have Zion? How bad is that team? They could be really, really bad. It's the worst team in the NBA. No, not even close. Well, I'm glad you feel so down on Brandon Ingram because you've been trying to defend him to me for years. So that's good to hear. <laughs> um, kind of a trick question for me. I laid that trap. Uh, <laughs> but he's rough on D, man. He gives a lot back. Yes, he is. You know, yeah. and, and that's where it comes back to like, okay, so he's got the raw point totals. He puts up the big stuff. But like, if we're just tracking like how many points can we charge to his presence, right? How many is he conceding? Um, it gets back into a little bit of that inflated territory, like with the Bradley Beal. And I tend to favor the complete players. You know, that's why I've got a player like Chris Paul on my second team. You know, that's why, you know, players like Kawhi Leonard, kind of a no-brainer really, but, you know, complete player. I, I like to favor those guys. Even a Rudy Gobert has had a nice impact on offense this season. Um, and for Zion, I, that was the stumbling block for me. I just, I couldn't get over it. It's like, all right, well, you could average 36, but if you're giving up 34, you know, where are we coming out? And he was one of my toughest cuts. You know, you said you tried to fit him on. Honestly, I tried to keep him off. I was looking for excuses to not include him. Oh, 
Well, what? I, come I, on, Ben. Look, I love Zion. That disappoints me. You you know I love Zion, but we've got to see progress there, man. It's going to make a big difference. And if until he can have greater impact on that end and until they can build better lineups around him, they're going to keep losing games, period. It's just there's no way around it. And it's important that we acknowledge that now and rather than making excuses and denying it so that we're not two years down the road saying, wow, Zion's doing it again, and they're still in 13th mm. place in the Western Conference. So I'm holding him to a higher standard. I want even better greatness. I'm challenging Zion to step up on the defensive end. Brandon Ingram, you too, but we're trying to trade you first. Um, and then we'll we'll see where the Pelicans can kind of go from there. Um, all right. Are you ready for your third team, Michael? I yeah, I guess so, yeah. Did I did I rip your heart and soul out? What happened there? No, it's just it's it, this is such a tough the, the whole thing is tough. There's so many snubs and now we're getting to the end and I think people are going to get upset. So let's just let's just rip the band-aid off. Yeah, this sounds like the last day of school in like 7th grade. Michael, you can sign my yearbook, bro. Like we we can hang out this summer like it's okay, dude. It's going to be all right. Um uh, who's your third team? Let me hear it. Okay, so I'm going to say off the top that I actually did edit uh, this team on the fly based on some of the the changes that we talked about at the top of the episode with some players who are available for guard who I thought would only be pr- available at forward. Um, so, man. And I, oh, Jesus. Okay, so I have Paul George as a guard. Goofy that already. That was my change. That was my change. Um, I have Chris Paul, your boy. Thank you. Thank you. You guy. actually get, you threw me a bone, Michael. I appreciate that. Okay. I have uh, Julius Randle as Ooh, a forward. Good one. I have uh, Jimmy, as I alluded to earlier, as my other forward. So basically you had four forwards. Actually, you have Chris Paul, but you have three forwards, essentially, and you're just calling one of them a, a guard. That's fine. Okay. Who's your center? Yes. Uh, my center is Rudy, which I thought was pretty clear right. cut. Um but uh, I'm really interested, though, to hear – I know we're going to talk about a lot of this stuff. I'm just interested to hear who you had as center now that you have Embiid first team. So I went James Harden guard. I went okay. Jimmy Butler guard. I went okay. Jason Tatum forward. You know, he, you had him on your second team. I have him on my third team. I went Paul George third team, so we were the same there. So we had pretty similar picks there except for Harden. And then at center, I went Bam. And – this was the most annoying part to me because I think Bam was actually just a pretty clear-cut fourth as a center, and I liked it much cleaner if Embiid was second-team center, but I do think it's fairer to Embiid if he's a first-team selection. That opens up a spot that I really can't fill with any of my other snubs, so Bam snuck on as the third team, and that was my solution. What do you think? Bam, I'm man, I, I'm, I like it a lot, of course. You know that. I love Bam. I... I actually thought you were going to go with Capella for some reason. I don't know why. Also considered. Like, also considered. Yeah. Um, but no, I I don't know. I just think Bam's a better player. He's going to look a lot better in the playoffs. I think some of the Capella hype that's building lately is going to maybe come back to bite them a little bit once they face a real opponent in the playoffs where, you know, we saw it in Houston. You know, I mean, he's, he's, he's very good at what he does on both ends. But he does, he's not as versatile as some of these other elite bigs. And, you know, his minutes would get cut in the playoffs, you know, pretty consistently against the best offenses. And I think, like, against Brooklyn, if they were to draw them, he's having a hard time. That's how I view it. I'm not going to say a bad thing about Capella. I love him. I really have enjoyed his season. And I'm, I, I actually hope that they do draw the Nets in the first round. I think that series would be terrific. Minus, of course, the Wizards versus the Nets, which is the series that I was born to watch. Um, okay, so I guess no Randall is the first thing that uh, kind of pops to my head with you and your team. Uh, what what gives there? Very tough cut. You know, I've I've had a hard, I've had a fun time. I think this year with both Randall and Levine. And I want to give credit. I mean, the last time we really talked about these guys in depth was for all-star selections, and I was pretty down on both of them. Randall proved me wrong down the stretch, man. He's had an awesome year. The hot shooting has continued. The playmaking has been good enough. I think defensively, he's fine. He's not great, but he's a lot better overall player than he was a year or two ago. And so he deserves to be in this conversation. Now, ultimately... I view the Knicks a little bit as a cute story, right? They're just riding this wave and they're maxing out their potential. I don't really trust him in the playoffs, you know, in terms of being able to lead an offense consistently. 
he's had a number of opportunities in big moments to come through and hit shots and you know a lot of you know more often than not when I've seen it hasn't always been great the box score numbers are huge but he gets to do everything he has a very wide berth and I just think that the Knicks their records better than they actually are it's kind of how I look at it and mm-hmm. you know Paul George phenomenal season Tatum phenomenal season those are my forwards I would take both those guys over Randall still and not really think twice about it right so the only argument would be well Randall's you know had amazing uh, health this year he's played just ungodly amounts of minutes so you should have him on and LeBron off which is basically what you did mm-hmm. I'm sorry there's very few situations ever I would take um, you know Randall over LeBron I think I'd take LeBron over Randall five years from now frankly so I, I just couldn't do it. I mean, it might, my, my... he's played, he's played a thousand more minutes than LeBron a thousand. Well, he shouldn't be number one. And that's going to come back to pay a price. You know, that, that's, uh, he's you in know, great shape. it's congratulations to him for being able to do it and stay healthy and hold up. It's a huge credit. It's very Jimmy Butler like back in the Tibbs day. But, um, you know, that's part of the reason why I think they're overachieving is because Tibbs is, you know, playing his main guys, huge minutes and, they're not going to have another gear to go into the playoffs when all these other teams start ramping up their guys' minutes uh, when it actually counts, right? So it was a tough cut. I mean, for me, guys like Beal, Randall, Zion, you know, Booker, Mitchell, those were some of my toughest cuts, and, and Randall was right near the top of that list. But the positional thing did kind of throw things off, um, you know, as we're trying to find spots for these different guys. You know, if you're going to accuse me of anything – it's probably being a little bit um, deferential to veterans, right? Um, none of my guys are really, you know, newcomers in any degree. Uh, you know, out of my 15 players, they've all been in this mix before. I guess Bam could be the only exception. And the only why- reason I took him was because I was forced to because of this, um, you know, center positional change. And yep. um, I'm fine with that. Like, I didn't think that's, you know, Randall had the best case for a guy who improved the most to try to climb into this category. But I still wasn't completely convinced that he was there. You know, if we're doing the all-star draft, I'm still not tri- uh, picking him all that high in, in that kind of a thing. And, um, you know, I think that he can be the best player on a bad offense, which is what he is right now, and I want to see more. So that's where I came down on Randall. I mean, you know, I hear everything that you're saying. Also, Jokic that... just destroyed him last night. Okay, that's not well, a real factor here because that's recency bias, but... I saw some people trying to do Randall for MVP. We saw an MVP last night. You know, we saw an MVP last night in that game, and it was Big Joker who's about to destroy the whole world in the playoffs. It wasn't Randall. <laughs> I, I I hear everything that you're saying. You know, I think that Randall, it seems to me just from listening to you that, you know, he, his reputation in the past, it, it, it shaking a reputation is really hard in the NBA. And so when you have one season where you're shooting like over 42% from three or whatever he is after just being a total liability from the outside for seven straight seasons, it, it, it just seems like it's not real. It seems like a mirage. But this guy is doing it every single night and contributing on one of the best defenses, playing all those minutes. So I have to... Uh, you know, last night's loss against Jokic, notwithstanding, I have to reward Randall for everything that he's done this season. It's been it's been remarkable. I never thought it would happen. So I'm going to cop out and just give him most improved player. Then I feel fine. You know, it's <laughs> it's off my chest, so it's great. It works out just fine. Um, give me your five again. Actually, no. Tell me why you you didn't have Harden. Just the injury. We we we've yeah we've we've talked about Harden all season long. Um, oh, the, the character stuff is still hanging there. Well, it's not. It's honestly not the character stuff. Okay, even if you remove the character stuff, uh, the first eight, nine, ten games of the season, he was a bad player who was not trying. So I look at every other candidate. But wait, and slow I'm down. Like, I mean, he's got the same stats as Bradley Beal when he was playing on a losing team. So what's the difference? No, 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 no. no. It was not the same. <laughs> Watch the games. Stop it right now. Watch the games. I'm just saying, uh, Harden with the fifty-pound weight vest is still better than Beal without one. <laughs> <sighs> no, it's 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 he wasn't he wasn't good. Um, I know the numbers are the numbers. It's because he has the ball in his hands on every play. But he was he was like punting um, games intentionally, and the the Rockets were outscored by like seventy five million points in eight games. So yeah. So what uh, we're learning here is the power of first impressions. Really, like you're just you just haven't gotten over it. And are you going to get over it by next year? Do you think or no? 
by next year, yeah, sure, whatever. Uh, clean slate. Uh, but this season, um, you know, you also factor in the recent injury. Like, I just think that him not playing throughout this entire stretch here also hurts his case when we're talking about other candidates who totally. played big minutes. No, it's a, it's a great point. He was the guy who had the lowest number of games played for me selected. And I was stunned how low that number was because I just remember that two-and-a-half-month stretch where it seemed like he was playing every night, playing huge minutes, carrying that Nets team all the way up the standings. He's the one who drove their um, you know, their increase in, in winning percentage and all that stuff. So I wanted to give him a lot of love for that because they wound up really high in the standings um, in the Eastern Conference and you know nearly claimed the number one seed. At least they had it for a while. Uh, probably won't finish with it. But that was the hardest part for me to give over. It wasn't the slow start. It wasn't the preseason shenanigans showing up late and you know hanging with Lil Baby and Honey Buns and all that. It wasn't any of that. It was this idea that, look, like he missed a substantial por- uh, portion of the season with that hamstring, and that dropped him for me all the way from first team to third team. That injury did. I'm honestly, I'll still never understand why you don't care at all about how he behaved earlier this season in trying to sabotage his basketball team. Well, I mean, look, Michael, we have to have some context here. They got rid of his coach. They traded his his, uh, teammate. His GM left him. His owner has lost so much talent, both front office-wise and player-wise, during his two-, three-year tenure. I mean, this was everybody getting off of the sinking ship and Harden basically being stubborn and saying i'm keeping the last rowboat against all odds i will make sure that i get out of here too right like if if this came out of nowhere if they had catered to his everything they had paid dan tony westbrook was still there his chosen teammate maury was still there and then just he flipped a switch one day woke up and was pissed off like okay i understand it like can't you put yourself in hardened shoes where everything is burning down around you and you're just Mm -hmm. like enough's enough I hear all of that, and I agree. Like, fundamentally, I would have also wanted out. I think it's just how he went about it in the least professional, most uh, dangerous way possible, uh, and least considerate. Um, I, I, Flip side. Flip side argument. Flip side argument. Should we all be uh, striving for radical transparency in our lives, Michael? Should we just be more direct and more honest with each other? during these trying times of the pandemic who has time for pleasantries and politeness uh, you know at this particular moment put it all out on the table get the trade done and everybody moves forward in a better manner what do you think are you convinced in the words in the words of the great george costanza uh, we are living in a society okay that's my <laughs> response to that well you know arguably it was total anarchy in houston and so maybe he wasn't part of a society at that point Fair, fair. Um, so I have I have a bunch of that other... That got really um, deep, didn't it? Man. I was not ready for it. That was like 300-level poli-sci there for a second. Um, no, it, it does bother me. It does. And the injury thing, you know, you put them together, and it was nearly enough for him to not be on my third team. When I looked at the other guards, there was a couple of players I was really eyeing. Beal was one of them for sure. I'm sorry, Hart is just a better player than Beal. Kyrie was another one. He had his own issues kind of, you know, being with the team, not with the team. And I actually thought Harden had a much bigger impact than Kyrie did when, um, you know, throughout this season when they've been healthy. I also definitely gave a long look at Mitchell. That might have been my toughest cut in terms of the guards because he had pretty good health all season, awesome stats, did it within a team concept and their team won. Um, so he probably would have been my replacement for Harden if I hadn't been able to talk myself into Harden. And then Booker's also in the conversation too. So that's where I was, you know, how I came down on the, um, the all NBA guards. What about you? So I actually, a little inside baseball here, I had Kyrie as my third team guard before I realized that Paul George could be eligible. And so he was there with Chris Paul, um, and last night, when I initially put this list together, uh, Donovan Mitchell was in Kyrie's spot for third team. So it, it was extremely close. And I think Donovan, I'm with you, I think Donovan would have made my team had uh, he not been hurt um, recently and missed a bunch of games. And so, and, and Utah, I think a lot of his case also, even though I don't care as much about winning, his case is the leading scorer and the alpha 
um, option on by far the best team in the NBA was just a it's, you can't ignore that. But Phoenix has kind of caught up to Utah a little bit in the standings, which has hurt them. Um, even though Utah is leading in net rating by a wide margin still. So so yeah, I think that uh, Mitchell has a really good case. Uh, Booker, I, I it's so weird for me to pick. CP over Booker because I I'm think proud. Booker is I'm better. so proud. No, I'm so proud. And I want to re- positively reinforce that. I mean, if we talk about the most improved player, uh, you know, award as a pat on the head, like we did the other episode, Michael, you're the most improved podcaster. I'm patting you on the head. I'm so <laughs> proud that you picked Chris Paul over Booker. Was it hard for you? It, I, honestly, yeah, it, it was. Uh, I, I'm not going to lie. I, for some reason, I really am enamored when it comes to, um, uh, like on off for offensive rating and just because I feel like if you're a star your ability to impact offense is just so much more tangible than defense and like Booker's on off is just so much more impressive than CP's as I said in non-garbage time minutes the Suns are actually better on offense when Chris Paul does not play um so so yeah, it, it was it was tough. And again, if you ask me in two weeks, I might have Booker on there over CP. I don't know. Um, but right now, CP is just he's just been so rock solid all season. I'm so impressed with the fact that he's just not taking games off. It's just it's remarkable, honestly. And the Suns are arguably the best team in the NBA right now. So uh, so yeah, that was um, it was tough. It was tough and very, very complicated. As we wrap up here, any final shout-outs or positional selections you would like to explain? Um, any final regrets? Any other messages you want to send to the NBA League office as they continue to toy with your heart? <laughs> what do you think, Michael? I have a few more honorable mentions that I want to just say out loud because I feel like they had really good seasons. Well, maybe you it. should start with LeBron, perhaps. He is number one, yes. <laughs> um, and honestly, yeah, like if if I had the time to prepare and I'd, fi- I'd probably find a spot for LeBron as like a guard over, I don't know, Paul George or maybe Beal. I don't know. We'll see. I, I, it's, it's, it's wild that they did this. But anyway, so I start with LeBron. Yes, you're great. Um, Jalen Brown. Uh, I don't think we really talked about him all that much. He's had a phenomenal season. Um I want to quickly, uh, you know, uh, applaud Drew Holiday, who I don't know if he's the second best player on Milwaukee, but he might be the second most important in just watching them play and watching his role and watching how he interacts with Giannis. And, uh, you know, Chris Middleton's phenomenal. But Drew Holiday has really been more, I think, integral to um, just their offensive flow and what makes them potent and defensively he's just such an improvement it's not even funny and we're gonna see all that in the playoffs from him so i just want to shout him out i want to i guess shout out trey young as well real quick let me just say uh, middleton also i think deserving of honorable mention both of those guys yes i think your point is really interesting on like who's the number two now i mean I think in my mind, and maybe I'm just defaulting to past history, I would probably still say Middleton, and he had incredible numbers this year, you know, in the typical quiet way. But when you do have that ball handling responsibility like Holiday does, and when you do play such a key role for their backcourt defense, the stability factor comes through both ends for them. It's probably harder for them to play without him just because of their other guards available than it would be if they like missed Middleton for, you know, a week or two. And we saw that when Holiday went down earlier this year. They turned into this really inconsistent team, like five straight yep. wins, five straight losses, et cetera. So I, I like that point a lot from you on uh, Holiday. I had actually snubbed him from my honorable mention list, and I'm glad that you uh, corrected that for the record. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's been great. Um, I want to just say Trey Young, Trey, say his name. Uh, he's. We talk about Trey Young a lot. Uh, the Hawks are very good, and I feel like Trey Young is kind of almost like getting to the point where he's underrated which is really interesting for someone who started in the all-star game last season i agree i think he's being taken for granted um i'm not sure if that means underrated overrated because i still Mm -hmm. see some pretty big flaws but i think that people just assume trey is going to do what he does every night and 
what he does is pretty difficult to do. So I, I think that uh, I'm with you on that one. Probably a little underappreciated. And okay, so we already very briefly mentioned KD. Just you know, hasn't Impossible. played enough games. Obviously, yeah. not Impossible. even close. Yep. But he's when he has it, he's just there's no one on planet Earth who can mess with him. He's he's untouchable. So. Yeah. Well, here's the problem. Your honorable mention list right now can beat your first team five on five. <laughs> <laughs> Which is, you know, maybe that perfectly encapsulates uh, the All-NBA conversation this year and this wacky season as a whole. I don't know, Michael. I'm not sure we can do better than that. Any final thoughts? I just want to say also, uh, I I feel like DeMar DeRozan is, like the Spurs might not win another game this year because of their schedule and because of some injuries that they've had. But he's just, he's so steady. And I've watched... Um, you, I think you know why, Ben, but I don't want to say. But I've watched every single Spurs game this year, I think, almost. I have i don't think I've missed too many. And DeMar DeRozan is just, uh, just so consistent, and they lean on him so hard. And the fact that this team is um, potentially going to even make the play-in is pretty remarkable. I don't think anyone had them being this competitive before the season started. And DeMar is, is a huge reason why. So I just want to kind of tend to give him his due. That was a cryptic comment there. Are you like Keldon Johnson's cousin or something? Like what, <laughs> what did you mean? Is it, is this for your story coming up? It, yes, and I, oh, okay. I, I don't want to say too much. <laughs> we, we don't want to spoil it too much. That's fine. You know, that's a big tease, Michael. It's coming up sometime yeah. down the yeah. road. We're going to be able to talk about it. Um, yeah, I was like, you know, is Becky Hammond like your sister-in-law? Like, what? <laughs> where are you <laughs> going with that one? Um, all right. Yeah. I think we covered this thing front to back. Just to recap, my, re- my uh, snubs, Kyrie, Zion, Mitchell, Booker, Middleton, Randall Beal, and I really liked uh, your nomination of Holiday. And of course, KD got snubbed by uh, injuries and the NBA's health protocols. Um, double snubbing for KD this year, unfortunately. Um, great, great takes. Some really interesting debates. Open floor globe. Now it's your turn. Let us know who did we overrate, underrate, forget. Open floor mail at gmail.com openfloormail at gmail.com we're going to be back next week continuing to track these very very tight races in both conferences michael they can find you on instagram at michael viaz and victor pina on twitter at michael viaz and victor pina i'm on instagram at ben.golver on twitter at ben golver don't forget go grab your book right now bubble ball it's in stores barnes and noble wherever else you get your books and of course you can grab it online too All right, Michael, until next week, I will talk to you. Talk soon, Ben. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. 
Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play.